Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about stable angina and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash stable angina or in the cardiology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Angina is caused by atherosclerosis affecting the coronary arteries, narrowing the lumen of the artery or the inside diameter and reducing the blood flow to the myocardium, which is the heart muscle. During times of high demand such as exercise, there's insufficient supply of blood to meet the demand of the heart. This causes the symptoms of angina, typically of constricting chest pain with or without radiation to the jaw or the arm. Angina is stable when the symptoms only come on with exertion and they're always relieved by rest or glycerol trinitrate or GTN. Angina is unstable when the symptoms appear randomly while at rest. Unstable angina is a type of acute coronary syndrome and it requires immediate management. Let's talk about the investigations. All patients with angina should have the following baseline investigations. A physical examination, including heart sounds, signs of heart failure, blood pressure and the body mass index or BMI. An ECG, although a normal ECG does not exclude stable angina. A full blood count to look for anemia. Use and ease are required before starting an ACE inhibitor and any other medications. Liver function tests are required before starting statins. A lipid profile. Thyroid function tests to check for hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. And a HbA1c and fasting blood glucose to check for diabetes. In terms of establishing the diagnosis, the options are cardiac stress testing, CT coronary angiography and invasive coronary angiography. Cardiac stress testing involves assessing the patient's heart function during exertion. This can involve having the patient exercise, for example walking on a treadmill, or giving medications, for example dobutamine, to stress the heart. The options for assessing cardiac function during stress testing are an ECG, echocardiogram, MRI scan or a myocardial perfusion scan which is a type of nuclear medicine scan. So the patient's heart is stressed during exercise or medications and further investigations are carried out to see how well it's coping with the stress. CT coronary angiography involves injecting contrast and taking CT images timed with the heart contractions to give a detailed view of the coronary arteries, highlighting the specific locations of any narrowing. Invasive coronary angiography involves an invasive procedure performed in a catheter laboratory or a cath lab. A catheter is inserted into the patient's brachial or femoral artery and then directed through the arterial system up to the aorta and the coronary arteries under x-ray guidance. A contrast is injected to visualise the coronary arteries on the x-ray images and identify any areas of stenosis. 
Invasive coronary angiography is considered the gold standard for determining coronary artery disease, but it is invasive, so the risks need to be balanced against the benefits. Let's talk about the management of stable angina. The management described here is based on the NICE clinical knowledge summaries on stable angina, updated in August 2022, and chest pain, updated October 2022, and the sign guidelines from 2018. There are five principles to management, and you can remember them with the RAMPS mnemonic. R for refer to cardiology, A for advise them about the diagnosis, management, and when to call an ambulance, M for medical treatment, P for procedural or surgical interventions, and S for secondary prevention. Referrals are usually sent to the Rapid Access Chest Pain Clinic. Let's talk in detail about the medical management of stable angina. There are three aims to medical management. Immediate symptomatic relief during episodes of angina, long-term symptomatic relief, and secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease. Immediate symptomatic relief is with sublingual glycerol trinitrate or GTN in the form of spray or tablets. GTN causes vasodilation, opening up the coronary arteries and blood vessels, improving blood flow to the heart muscle or myocardium. Patients are advised to take the GTN when the symptoms start, take a second dose after five minutes if the symptoms remain, take a third dose after a further five minutes if the symptoms are still there, and call an ambulance after a further five minutes if the symptoms are still there. Key side effects of GTN are headaches and dizziness, which are both caused by vasodilation. For long-term symptomatic relief, first line is with a beta blocker, for example bisoprolol, or a calcium channel blocker, for example, diltiazem or verapamil. If required, a combination of a beta blocker and a calcium channel blocker can be used. A specialist may consider other options for long-term symptomatic relief, and these are long-term nitrates, for example, isosorbide mononitrate, ivabradine, nicarandil and renolazine. Medications for secondary prevention can be remembered with the 4A's mnemonic. Aspirin 75mg once daily, atorvastatin 80mg once daily at night time, an ACE inhibitor is indicated if the patient has diabetes, hypertension, chronic kidney disease or heart failure, and they'll already be on a beta blocker for symptomatic relief. Next, let's talk about the surgical interventions. Surgical procedures are generally offered to patients with more severe disease and where medical treatments do not control the symptoms. And there are two options, percutaneous coronary intervention or PCI and a coronary artery bypass graft or cabbage. Percutaneous coronary intervention or PCI involves inserting a catheter into the patient's brachial or femoral artery. This is fed in under x-ray guidance through the arterial system up to the coronary arteries. 
Then a contrast is injected to visualise the coronary arteries and identify areas of stenosis on the X-ray images. Areas of stenosis can be treated by dilating them with a balloon to widen the lumen, and this is called angioplasty, and inserting a stent to keep them open. Overall, this is referred to as coronary angioplasty and stenting. Coronary artery bypass graft or cabbage surgery may be offered to patients with severe stenosis. This involves opening the chest along the sternum with a midline stenotomy incision. Then a graft vessel is attached to the affected coronary artery, bypassing the stenotic area. The three main options for graft vessels are the saphenous vein harvested from the inner leg, the internal thoracic artery, which is also known as the internal mammary artery, or the radial artery. Generally, short and medium term outcomes are similar between PCI procedures and a cabbage. However, PCI has a faster recovery, a lower rate of strokes as a complication, but a higher rate of requiring repeat vascularization or repeat procedures. A top tip for you, when you're examining a patient you think may have coronary artery disease in your OSCEs, check for a midline stenotomy scar which may indicate a previous cabbage procedure, scars around the brachial and femoral arteries which may indicate a previous PCI procedure, and along the inner calves which may indicate saphenous vein harvesting to see what procedures they may have had done. Finally, let's talk about Cardiac Syndrome X. Cardiac Syndrome X causes angina-like chest pain without the presence of coronary artery disease when investigated with angiograms. This is most commonly seen in women in the perimenopausal or postmenopausal period between the ages of 45 and 55. The pathophysiology is not fully understood and it may involve microvascular dysfunction causing reduced blood flow to the heart. It may also be due to increased sensitivity of the heart muscle or myocardium lowering the pain threshold, meaning that pain is experienced by the heart in conditions that wouldn't normally cause chest pain. Cardiac syndrome X is a diagnosis of exclusion. Before being diagnosed, patients are fully investigated to exclude coronary artery disease and other pathology. There are no guidelines for the management of cardiac syndrome X. The treatment options for symptoms are similar to the medical management of angina. So thanks for listening to this episode on stable angina. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like this podcast episode, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon account and this will give you early access to the podcast episodes, early access to the YouTube videos, as well as the full Zero to Finals question bank, which you can use to test yourself on the content of this podcast using short answer questions, multiple choice questions and extended matching questions. You also get access to the Zero to Finals digital flashcards. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about acute coronary syndrome.